0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane Rinse Podcast, Volume 8, Issue 358. It's Captain Toad, Treasure Tracker. You can play along with the show. We've got some fun stuff coming up, new and old. Next, it's the brutally difficult... Super Nintendo, Super Famicom Classic, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, continuing that series. We'll be rejoined by Ben Cartledge of One Credit Classics to tell us how it's done. Uh, then, after that, some more Nintendo, actually, with uh, The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. A few people have told me that they're looking forward to that one. Following that, another series, Conclusion, with Dark Souls 3. Should be an interesting show, especially for those of us who haven't played along with the series. A Curious Beast, I think. After that... We'll be killing Nazis in space and stuff with Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Also a series continuation, I guess, that one. I suppose there will be more and more as the years go by. Following that, though, a very different kind of a show as we talk about the challenging and interesting game, This War of Mine. Canarince.com. You can find the full schedule. We've still had a few uh, requests on social media this week saying, where can I see the list of shows? Go to Canarince.com and uh, click on the podcast drop down. It's in there. You can also go to the forum where you can also leave your feedback ahead of the show uh, regarding the game. And we may include it. You can also get each show a week earlier and in many cases extended compared to the non-subscriber edition for just a dollar a month on Patreon. Patreon.com slash That's like 77p, less than a euro a month. You also get some other good stuff, including a monthly podcast where we talk. Crap. And some other bits and bobs as well. Uh, check it out. Patreon.com slash We also have a PayPal if you want to just throw a coin in our virtual hat. We also have three other podcasts now. Sound of Play on Wednesdays, Playwright on Thursdays and The Sausage Factory on Fridays. If you like this podcast, you should definitely check all of those out. They're all very different to this. They're all very different to each other, but they're all equally quality. I like to think. Subscribe, review and rate to this and all of those shows. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to keep up with what we're doing. And I thank you for doing all that wonderful stuff. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 358 are Darren Gargett. picture, pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut for people who haven't been following us on Twitter on the 22nd of February 2019. <laughs> That's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get onto that later. Uh, James Carter. Uh, I'm playing a drinking game. Drink along with me with...
1: Uh The three words I've picked, diorama, cute, and throwaway idea. Those will pop up a lot. Okay. Help drinking water. You
0: choose your particular poison. Coffee for me. Uh, And Joshua Garrity.
2: Uh, I didn't prepare a joke or a drinking game, so I'm just going to say hello.
0: That's fine. That's fine. Picture, picture. So Captain (laughs) (laughs) Captain (laughs) Toad, treasure tracker. I only just learned today that its Japanese name is Susume Captain Canopio. And as I think we'll probably have a little extra time, let's talk about that. Uh, Susume is another word for recommendation, advice, or perhaps most importantly, in this case, encouragement. So it's a title a bit like Ganbare Goemon, which I believe is translated to Go For It, Goemon. Mm. So I think it's like, come on, Captain Toad. Yeah, nice. And the reason he's called Kenopio is, well, uh, it's short for Toad. Obviously, I mean, we never even talk about the fact that he's called Toad, right? I mean, that's weird in itself. He's not a Toad. He's not an amphibian. <laughs> it's short for Toadstool, mm. obviously. He's, uh, he's like one of those forest fungi with a red and white cap. Made his first appearance, I believe, can anyone tell me otherwise, at the end of the first level of Super Mario Brothers, telling Mario that, our princess was in another castle. Yeah, the end of the his? first
3: world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, and, free, yeah. And seven others after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, six others after that. Uh, and and possibly in the end sequence as well. Uh, his original uh, Japanese name, actually, uh, the Canopio are like, is a collective term for all the toads. Because right up until, I guess, the mid 2000s, the toads were just kind of a. You know, they were all the same, weren't they? I mean, in- maybe interchangeable, yeah. Um, but then you started getting ones with different coloured tops. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Captain Toad, a clip-on headlight and a backpack. Uh, so Canopio or Kenopio is a pun on the Japanese word for mushroom, which is Kinoko, and Pinocchio. So this game was made by Nintendo EAD, the key studio of Nintendo in Tokyo, but assisted by 1UP Studio. Mm. Now, 1UP Studio were formerly known as Brownie Brown Inc., which I was always I thought a great name for a studio. Yes, they'd previously, as as Brownie Brown and One Up Studio worked on some sort of probably less high profile games on the GBA and DS. Um, things like porting the porting of Blue Dragon to the DS and uh, Mother Three on the GBA. They also uh, co opt on development on Super Mario Three D Land, and obviously there's a link there with that, and uh, Triforce Heroes as well. Um, They've also since cooperated on Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, So the directors are Kenta Motokura and Shinya Hiratake, who between them, uh, well, Motokura worked on his first game was Pokemon Stadium 2. He was a character designer on Pikmin and on Super Mario Sunshine and Pikmin 2 and was also part of the Donkey Kong Jungle Beat team, worked on Super Mario Galaxy, Super Mario 3D Land and World as you'd expect, perhaps. uh, And uh, Shinya Hiratake, his first game actually was Crystal Chronicles, Final Fantasy game, um, before moving on to Nintendo stuff with Mario Kart DS and New Super Mario Brothers, where he was a map and level designer, also worked as assistant director on Wii Sports and Wii Play. So he's very much got his foot in the sort of accessible Um, market end of things, but he also did work on other Mario games, Galaxy 2, Mm. 3D Land, a world. So the team obviously follows through from uh, that lineage, as you'd expect. Uh, Yeah. And the designer, Yuka Kitahara, his first credit was for The Legend of Zelda Navi Trackers, also known Mm. as Tetras Trackers, which I did wonder if there was a connection between the title, Captain Toad, Treasure Tracker, and the Navi Trackers game, which was, if you'll recall, one of the the three kind of um, parts of the Legend of Zelda Four Swords right. on GameCube, which we did talk mm-hmm. about back in that podcast some time ago. I did get to play Navi Trackers or, yeah. or Tetra's Trackers uh, with an import copy. It was it was quite a curious multiplayer game. Uh, so the game was released initially in Japan. November 2014 on the Wii U arrived in December on in America and then in Australia and Europe in January 2015 just after Christmas I'm sure it did well with the uh, with the Christmas monies and vouchers uh, as much as a Wii U game could expect to Hmm. Uh, reviewed pretty nicely not spectacularly like a Mario game might expect to but still 81% from 50 odd review outlets Uh, the game much more recently arrived on both Switch and Nintendo's legacy handheld, the 3DS family of systems. That was July 2018. The game was reviewed all over again, not by as many places. In fact, only half as many places reviewed the Switch version, but it reviewed a little higher, interestingly, 82.7%. Meanwhile, only two outlets, websites, magazines, whatever, even bothered to review the 3DS version, which seems a little sad, but uh, it actually averaged just 75%. However, over on user review land, it's actually the highest rated version. Hmm. Uh, but I suspect that's because fewer people gave it a score. 8.5 out of 10 on Nintendo Life. Hmm. Uh, the Switch version has 8. The Wii U version has 8.2, which kind of marries up closely with the 3.8 out of 5 on Moby Games. Um, but actually, we'll talk about the version differences, but there's a cool digital foundry video which compares... The 3DS, uh, Switch, and Wii U versions, and they are incredibly complimentary about the tech of the 3DS version. Mm. So basically, if that's the Nintendo console you have and you like the sound of this game, it's a really great version to have. Uh, it's absolutely you're, you're not you know apart from fewer pixels, you're not getting like a, a compromised experience. You're still getting you know the Captain Toad game. Approximately quarter of a million copies sold during the game's first month in the USA uh, in Japan. Around about 150,000 plus copies had been sold by the end of June 2015. So not amazing, but not disastrous for a Wii U game. Uh, The Switch and 3DS ports sold 110,000 and 42,000 physical copies during their first couple of months on sale in Japan. However, as of December, the end of last year, basically, the Switch port has sold over a million copies. Uh, comfortably outselling its Wii U counterpart, as you might expect, and justifying and validating Nintendo's uh, conversion of it. So the Captain Toad character, not just any old Canopio, made his debut in Super Mario Galaxy in 2007. We've also covered that on the podcast before. Uh, So the Treasure Tracker game originally spawned from a series of bonus levels. You may remember them. If you did have a Wii U, you surely will have got yourself Super Mario 3D World, Uh, I would say it's one of those games that's almost worth buying a Wii U for. It's that wonderful. Uh, Featured six sort of courses uh, known as the Adventures of Captain Toad. Uh, Nintendo had created prototypes of small diorama like levels. The player could twist and turn. Uh, However, when the team added a character who could jump, they realized the levels would have to increase in size. Uh, They decided to keep the small scale course designed by eliminating jumping entirely, which meant that they couldn't use Mario and Luigi. It's kind of mandatory that Mario and Luigi can jump in some capacity. Uh, Shinya Hiratake, the director, suggested to Miyamoto that uh, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, who ultimately has final say on all these things, could they put Link in it? Uh, He said, no, choose a different one. (laughs) I'd be interested (laughs) to know how firmly and how quickly he said that. Uh, the developers realized that captain toad the background character from super mario galaxy would fit the role due to his heavy pa- backpack which reasoned they they reasoned would weigh too much so he couldn't jump makes perfect sense uh, originally uh, the team thought the levels would make their own game but instead a few were included in super mario 3d world uh, after it was uh, after 3d world was finished Miyamoto found that the Captain Toad levels reminded him of one of his earlier gameplay ideas inspired by the Rubik's Cube. So he suggested they create the Captain Toad game. <laughs>
1: that sounds an go. awful lot like someone had an idea and Secure <laughs> Miyamoto came along and said, oh yeah, I had that idea ages ago, let's call it mine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, well, I don't, say, I don't it, doubt the story. With, I'm James just being says mean. Miyamoto's a fraud.
1: <laughs> I'm just being uh, mean, but uh, yeah, it does uh, sound
0: an awful lot. credit my source that was all from Wikipedia and now because uh, Adam Capone Friend of the show has parodied Kane and Rince uh, <laughs> on his Graham and Me podcast. I am now super conscious that I actually read a passage out from Wikipedia there, <laughs> which is something we try to avoid doing. But actually, that was the the the, the best proxy of uh, of the development that I could find. Uh, there's also an article on uh, Polygon. I mean, there's as you can imagine, it's a relatively recent game, relatively low profile game. Um, there isn't. It's not like making the Near Automata podcast where there's you know literally billions of pages of, of, of intellectual and stuff. consideration. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Polygon.com, uh, Captain Toad, Treasure Tracker, Nintendo. Uh, if you search that, you'll find, uh, you'll find some, some more uh, stuff about it. I've actually focused on the, the user, the Kane Rinse Rince listener correspondence for the, for our interjections in this show because we had enough of it. Anyway, let's, uh, let's inform the listeners of our personal histories with the game. When did we first play them? How much have we played them? And on what
3: machines? Darren? Yeah, so I look back through my um, website ordering history for this, because I can't really remember what was going on. Um, but I seem to have ordered and cancelled this game quite a lot, um, presumably based on, do I want to spend 30 quid on it? Because uh, the 3D world levels were good. You know, the Captain's Toad bits were good, but it's not really why I was playing that game. And did I feel passionate about enough about you know paying full price? And then I think the reviews came out because it was staggered release across the world. So, it, you know, word of mouth was actually pretty tasty so I ended up ordering it yeah day one that was sub 30 quid 28.95 or something yeah and I got it in the new year of that year so and then played it through to completion got every single thing which surprised me because I thought it would just be like um, you know one once through and then see it to the end but the game is quite moorish so I ended up, I can't do the mummy maze forever. It's just, it's just, no. def- it's just defeating me. I even tried again Same. today. Um, but yeah, I got all the gems, I got all the things. And I found today, playing with my little two year old, two and a half year old, you can tap Toad on the, uh, she calls them characters. Can I use character? You're like, yeah, put a character on. So she puts Toad on the gamepad quite Aww. aggressively in my eyes, like, then calm down. It's a fragile toy. <laughs> it's precious. It's not a toy. It's it's a, it's a, it's a collectible. And then she she she, she you know she presses it on the gamepad and then you have to find little pixel toads. So we did a couple of them today and I think to yeah. myself, maybe I could play this again, you know, and find those little pixel toads. They're pretty cool. Mm. Uh, yeah, so the game seems to have a lot more going on for it, uh, even on the Wii U. And I know the Switch version has been boosted with extra mods and cons yes. and stuff. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, as a, as I a look back recently, I just, yeah, um, I, I enjoyed playing it. And, uh, but when I... It exceeded my expectations when it came out uh, to the point where I got every single thing possible at the time, and I'm looking, I'm looking to go back to it and ticking some more boxes. Nice, hmm. Josh. How about you?
2: Um, I wasn't day day one with this one. Um, I I I did really really love um the Captain Toad sections in 3D World. Mm. Little mini games like that have a you know it, there's there's always a 50 50 chance that it will either be oh this is fun or mm. oh, this is really distracting from why i came here and this was a case where i actually felt they were a nice change of pace in between the you know yeah. the big elaborate mario levels so i i really enjoyed them I think the 40 quid price tag put me off for a while um, just because even though I really enjoyed those levels they didn't feel like something I'm I would want to pay you know full price for like a, a you know 10 hour 12 hour type experience for but the word of mouth just kind of didn't disappear like it it got you know really good positive review reviews at first but it was the fact that people just kept talking about it just over and over and it just finally pushed all right i'll pay the i'll pay the 35 quid to get it and it and it sat on my shelf for a while as something that i was meaning to play and never really got around to it until um i think it was end of 2017 where um i finally picked up the wii u copy and and played it through to completion um and then basically uh six months later the switch version uh, came out and uh, part of me was like oh i wish i'd waited a little bit longer and then i could have played it on the switch but um i still had a i still had a great time on wii u um i haven't tried the switch version yet but um it's on my on my wish list, and I want to try it out in future.
0: Yes, we'll talk about the version differences, and there are considerations, pros and cons, as you'd imagine. James, what about you?
1: This game—it's funny. We've or you actually, Leon, have already mentioned Kirby's Epic Yarn because I. Th- My story with Captain Toad is very similar to my story with that, which is came out in in Europe a bit later, so already got a good sense and lots of word of mouth reports of what the game was like. Um, I liked everything I'd seen about it. The idea of taking those little diorama levels um mm-hmm. and and trying to make them into a big game did appeal. I was very nervous about how that would work as a big game, but enough positive word of mouth that um yeah, I just got to January 2015 and thought um yeah, I want to support games like this. I want to support the Wii U because apparently my pitiful amount of money is going to make the difference for Nintendo, but you know what I mean? I just wanted to to support um something that felt like it was a bit different on a console that wasn't necessarily uh, doing all that well at the time, but I felt had a really strong lineup in 3D world and 3D land before it, I'd adored. And so anything that kind of stretched out from those games, I was interested in. So yeah, I picked that up in January 2015 and played through, not uh, sort of voraciously, but quite happily played through that uh, fairly consistently th- through... Uh, until I finished it. Um, and then once I knew this show was going to be happening, I, um, I grabbed a, a, a physical copy on the Switch and have played through, I think, most, not quite all of episode one uh, and, and then sort of refreshed myself via YouTube on episodes two and three. Just uh, to make sure that I, I hadn't completely forgotten what went on and, uh, and how I felt about the, the later levels because things change up a bit in the later episodes.
0: Yeah, I bought it twice. Uh, once on Wii U, fairly soon after it came out, not day one, but soon after. Digital, £35, mid-price release it was. And then I sort of played it in chunks, little bitty bite-sized chunks as a kind of palate cleanser whenever i really had the Wii U on which was quite a lot over the the years in between the two versions and uh, eventually I kind of yeah I found that I'd got through it and it more and more opens up as we'll discuss Um, and eventually I got into the yeah the kind of the the extra bits Uh, I never 100%ed the whole game I did selected levels um, but yeah i saw the the three credit rolls um i guess there is a fourth and i know there's something for doing absolutely everything but it's uh, it's quite demanding uh, and then even though it was really uh, very much a luxury purchase i just bought it again digitally when it came out on switch <laughs> uh just because i wanted to have it portable and uh with more pixels as so it's 1080p instead of 720 although the wii u version looks perfectly lovely uh I was quite happy just to have it again, play it again. And I feel particularly vindicated in that now with the very recent announcement that they're, they've they've patched it, they're updating it and they're adding a little bit of quite affordable DLC. So I'm I'm perfectly happy to have double dipped on this occasion. And I'm also, once again, I'm back where I was with the Switch version, kind of where I was with the Wii U version, which is I've seen the the credit roll three times. I've unlocked even more stuff this time, actually. And I'm kind of picking my way back through just when I feel like it getting a gem on a level where I missed a gem and, and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I've played it quite a lot, sort of on and off regularly since really the start of 2015. So four years, I guess. Um, we're also, as always, we'll be hearing from contributors to the Cana Rinse Forum, com slash forum. I think uh, Eric Bergman here maybe a new contributor. Welcome, Eric Eric says, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is a good example on how Nintendo are able to turn something seemingly absurd into something magically joyful. A Mario game without the ability to jump seems like it could never work, but here we are. What strikes me the most about this game is how well the devs have managed to optimise the limited space of the game's many tiny levels. Captain Toad being purposefully clunky and slow is not an issue at all with such brilliant level design. It's kind of the opposite of open world games with so and so many square kilometres of empty fields to quote discover art and graphics then uh, i think they are what you'd expect uh, i don't think that aesthetically anyone who is immediately and automatically completely turned off by the fairy tale children friendly surrealist whimsy of the mario universe is going to get on with this game at all where are you even listening to this podcast i don't <laughs> know uh, possibly Suits from the forum who we're going to hear from quite a bit because he has really gone to town on this game uh, says the graphics are good they're very much taken from 3d world's assets which is fair and something i wasn't really burnt out on anyway and wasn't even aware of until i thought about it preparing this water looks stunning and the clockwork nature of the levels and environment all come together to give a micro world with routine separate areas nooks with crannies and secrets i suppose that's the very nature of that hakinoa that they are trying to mimic i love it so Hakinoa is, uh, the, is the Japanese word meaning boxed or miniature garden. Uh, origin derived from China's 7th century uh, scale model for designing arches. Uh, and also they also use the word Hakinoa to refer to sand play therapy, which is nice. Oh, nice. Uh, so, yeah. So, yes, yeah, talk about the visual design. Um, I mean, obviously it's the mushroom kingdom, but is there anything which about that i mean let's think let's 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 talk about this as if we haven't talked about the mushroom kingdom before <laughs> uh let's let's think about what we like and and don't like what appeals and what doesn't appeal visually and aesthetically what works and what doesn't uh darren
3: yeah you know it, um after playing it on 3D World, you kind of had an expectation, you know, because you've seen what they were going for. So you kind of went in thinking, you know what, they're just going to have more of these levels. But I think it goes above and beyond that. Like, they they feel a lot more detailed and complex. Like um, the first poster, contributor poster uh, said, you know, the open world games are there to be discovered. But this game feels more like a... Like an adventure, you know what I mean. If it feels like more of a uh, each diorama is um is more discoverable than you know some games that come out today, and uh, Toad absolutely represents that in his uh, animations and his kind of his you know the noises and the kind of the little things that he does when when you're poking through a little cave hole and he looks out the other side, he gives out some mm. sort of representation to show just how much kind of. It's kind of like a little mini reward for you for finding this little cave and you know poking mm. your head for you for a few coins. You know, the actual reward for me is Toad looking around thinking, this looks beautiful and it does like it really does I do uh, I, the Wii U for me was such a groundbreaking moment in terms of visuals because you've always well I've always wanted to see Nintendo in HD like yeah, you just knew that those visuals one day were going to pop like Galaxy looked really nice and it still does but you just when I first saw in 3D Land actually on the 3DS mm. uh, when you're running up Bowser's Castle and it looked all wet and shiny and it all looked like there was a lot of bump mapping going on and all those you know words that you use to make games sound cool you're like oh God, Nintendo are so close with making games like Mario games pop. And um, mm. and and then, you know, 3D World came out. And then this, like this, just totally just swept me off my feet with its visuals because it's just so charming. But everything, again, looks so... I've said this before about Nintendo games, but everything looks so chunky and so real and like you can grab it and like you do, you do yeah. want to spin that diorama around and have a little, you know... I mean, unfortunately, the Wii U gamepad does kind of get, you know, it gives that kind of, you know, you you... Like you are in control, but sometimes it's a bit too fiddly, but that's for another moment. Also, you does feel in a
0: um, sort of symbiotic way, it does feel like you've got something. I know some people sort of complained about the Wii U gamepad feeling a bit Fisher-Price or whatever, but actually it does give you a sense of holding something tactile and substantial in your hand, so that it does feel like there's a connection between the yeah. levels and your controller on, on the Wii U version in particular.
3: Yeah, and I just like just uh, to reiterate like the, the visuals for me are just they're absolutely spot on, and like they they go above and beyond what I was expecting. Like even just for the, it's the little tiny details in this game that make it for me. And like are those um, they're, are they called wall eyes. The guys who run left to right with spikes on their head and they try and get in your way. Like they're, they're little faces when they're like scampering across left to right, like a crab, just trying to get in your way. Just like, just the little things like that, you know, they um, personify what Nintendo are all about. And it is the, it is the tiny details, uh, but they all come together to make a complete package. And I do think aesthetically Captain Toad, well, yeah, went above and beyond um, my expectations. Like even playing it today, like the water levels, you see all the Goombas in the little floaty rings and yeah. it just really gets you. And you think, ah, oh, this is what, this is what gaming's all about. Really. It's just about just pure fun and, just, no, just, it's killing things and blood. Don't I mean, I, I, I did try and jump on their heads immediately after I saw them <laughs> chilling out. So, you know, they did deserve it. But yeah, um, <laughs> overall, I still think it's a really good looking game. And I haven't seen it on any other uh, handheld console yet. But I've got a feeling the 3D effect will make some of the levels pop even more yeah, the 3DS. Yes. Yeah, good Yeah,
0: that is another pro to the, the, you know, what you might consider the bottom tier version. But actually the stylus and the 3D effect yeah Four. um poor people josh. have a 2ds <laughs> <Yeah>. oh sorry <laughs> just They've miss out the on, the, on the 3d still an excellent game I absolutely say. of course yeah josh graphics wise
2: yeah i what i this might sound like a weird thing to say but like w- one of the things that i find appealing about um mario games in this kind of in this kind of realm of aesthetic, so uh, Odyssey and sunshine um also have really colorful, beautiful um art styles, but they they try to ground Mario in some kind of reality, so Um, odyssey had you know the some forest areas a city and all of that and sunshine has the the you know the sunny beach town um whereas galaxy and the 3d land 3d world games have this kind of absurdist really creative with no real concern about the reality or physics of how these structures would all work together Um, And I love that. I love when Mario is just kind of embracing the fact that this is all just completely off the wall and Mm. makes no sense. So let's just make levels that are just completely off the wall and make no sense. And and that's my favorite Mario aesthetic. And I feel like Captain Toad really embraces that aesthetic of like this absurdism and every level feels like a <laughs> like a delicious cake like mm. i feel like that it's like the diorama thing makes it look like somebody you know you you, you when you uh, see images from weddings where people have done like uh, nerdy cakes where it's like uh mario or something it feels like captain toad is like a series of like cakes that have been yeah. designed for uh several weddings and they just look so delicious and you want to eat mm. them and um i think the thing I, I just love the way that all the enemies and toad animates i love that toad isn't i like that he's not ever depicted as cool like everything <laughs> about his animation is silly and dorky and i and i love him for being silly and dorky and just like f- you know bumbling his way through all these situations um and toadette as well toadette is just is equally as silly as as toad um yeah it's just really charming and, and i like that it's completely sincere there's no kind of i i i kind of I really don't like it when um games that have these kind of colorful art styles feel the need to have some kind of edge to it like they yeah. need to have be sl- it's like the Shrek effect it's almost like you, you know the Dreamworks thing of like we're for kids but we're not really for kids I like the Toad's just like no this is colorful and, and and joyous and we can just enjoy this we don't need to have any kind of edge to it it, it can just be this and uh, yeah really really love the aesthetic
0: I completely agree and I've had a couple of uh, conversations run-ins if you will with with people recently and it's not that i'm trying to you know preach and convert people to the ways of nintendo that don't like it i get i get that some you know particularly adults probably even more particularly males don't get on with the the mario aesthetic the characters the look and feel every anything about it i do get that but um Obviously, this podcast is a kind of exercise in confirmation bias in that the people who wanted to be on this show obviously get on with it well and are happy to exist in it and talk about it. But yeah, I, I want to say as a as a middle aged man who, uh, you know, I like some very serious, very dark stuff within my fiction, my films uh, and, and whatever else. But I am one of those people that is completely happy. No actually overjoyed to spend some time in a world that is like this, that is this fantastic and whimsical and lighthearted and bright and colourful. It's okay. Like it might not be, it might not be all you'd ever want to do. Like you wouldn't want to eat Dunkin' Donuts, you know, three meals a day, seven days a week. But, Actually, sometimes you need to treat yourself to something that's a bit, you know, lighter and and less, you know, kind of substantial. I I was having fun because I I was, as as I do, I was adapting the previous show that I hosted the show notes from the previous podcast near automata into this one and. It was, I you know, I loved making that show. I think that game's really interesting, but it was quite fun actually, just chopping out the the the, the bullet points saying you know like uh, allusions to philosophers and stuff like that. Like no, this is this is none of that. There's, there you know, we're not talking about a spoiler warning. We're not talking particularly about the scenario. This is just whimsical fantasy, and it is completely family friendly. Um, and if you are one of those grown-ups who is quite happy to enjoy stuff like you know cl- classic muppets or that more that that stuff that yeah where y- if you don't feel that pressure to be a quotes grown up then mm. i think there's a lot to love here but again i understand that not everyone it just feels like they want to ever be in that space so yeah, we we can. You know, I, I don't expect this show to convert anyone who doesn't get on with the with the Mushroom Kingdom and Mario, um, Nintendo and Mario's kind of aesthetic from the off. But if you do like it, this is as good a. I think this is as you know a higher quality as a, a rendition of that stuff as as Nintendo have made really up until Odyssey maybe.
1: I, I think the the interesting thing about that is for, we're talking about say the assets coming from three D World and and it being a kind of recognizable representation of the mushroom kingdom but for all that being true i was surprised f- for all of the familiarity just how much um with the aesthetic and, and also with gameplay mechanics that we'll get onto uh later um but with the aesthetic in particular how they managed to still make it feel fresh by not overdoing it there were haunted house levels in the game but i didn't feel like that was overplayed there were kind of straight sort of maze mushroom kingdom levels and that when those popped up, I was delighted to see that as well. And then there were, I really liked the, there were, I think f- four of them, um, the kind of Pagoda Tower levels where you're going around the outside of this white, very familiar looking um, sort of structure. And it has all the trappings of of a, a Mario game and and the games that we've talked about in particular but it felt fresh and exciting. And when a pinball level popped up or a level that had like a a disco effect to it, these are all things we've seen done in Mario. There's different sort of themed levels and they do a really good job of bringing bringing out of a uniform aesthetic, something unique. I think they do that here and they have a really, uh, it benefits the structure of the game that it is
0: just this tiny little, as Josh says, this bite-sized sort of cake thing. Sean S. Thomas from the forum says, From the moment I played Captain Toad's inventive diorama levels in Super Mario 3D World on Wii U, I was a fan. There weren't very many of them, but they were such a welcome change of pace and so charming that they became my personal highlight of the game. So when they announced Toad was getting his own title, I was delighted. I loved that it was a mid-price release on Wii U and didn't outstay its welcome. I breezed through the main campaign in a handful of hours, but I loved these little worlds so much that in a rare exception to the norm, I replayed it all to hit each level's bonus objectives. A few of those gold mushrooms were verging on plain unfair, and I did need to Google a couple of the invisible ones, but on the whole I adored tackling some of those levels, knowing it could be done in five moves, or that the answer was there somewhere. There was something incredibly pleasing about turning those little micro worlds around on the Wii U gamepad as if they were mini terrariums and finding hidden doorways, lifts or objects hidden in plain sight. It's really solid to control, too. Because of the lack of jumping or inertia, it felt grounded and the Toad family responded exactly when I needed them to. I also love that the storyline flipped halfway through and he took control of Toadette. She seemed to control identically, but it felt refreshing for a Nintendo game at the time not being about a boy saving a girl and to veer away from the handful of core licenses that the company repeatedly returns to. The Wii U era was barren at times, but Captain Toad, along with Splatoon and Mario Maker, showed that a new generation of Nintendo talent was starting to make their mark and bring new ideas to the table, and it's why I hold it so dear to my heart. Gameplay then. Uh, Let's kick us off. Let's let suits kick us off. Nicholas Suiters from the forum says movement is slow, sometimes a little too slow. I feel there is a sprint button, but it's minimal at best. The turnip pulling is satisfying and dropping onto nasties is solid. You also get a nice pop feeling when you land a vegetable onto something. The turnip shooting is snappy, fresh and feels good to control, whether it's from the minecart levels or the mounted cannons. It feels fun and satisfying to do. The sound effect is like a little tap or pop, which just adds to the satisfaction of spamming turnips into a gaggle of biddy buds or blocks. The runner levels are a happy break also, I feel. Initially, they maybe feel too hard or tricky, but once you get used to the layout and the timing, they are fun and require a good amount of thought and reaction skill to master. So Suits mm. kicks us off there, not only by talking about the, the feel of the game, which I agree is incredibly poppy and snappy. Um, it is true that Toad and Toadette feel a little bit... Uh, underpaced at first but you do get used to using the the sprint button which perhaps hmm. uh, it's you know the, the game is designed around them being running at the pace that they uh, they do um, but also his post also uh, alludes already to the sort of the variety of levels that you get so as well as the diorama levels I mean they all are all based around that but you actually get some sections where it goes into first person and you start uh, sort of Pokemon Snap style almost yeah. shooting at stuff and um,
3: yeah, it makes yes. you wonder with, with the sprint if there were, uh, maybe at one point it was all, all analog control and they found that most users were just sprinting around everywhere. But you do need to kind of finesse, yeah. you know, you do have to yeah. slow down sometimes because even though the controls are snappy and poppy, mm. yeah, which is great because you could easily see this game being one of those games where the control movement f- kind of f- feels weighty, but you know, the, I could in, in an alternate timeline, I bet there's a version of this game that is that. And it's just like, I oh know this needs to be, you know, absolutely pinpoint precision with your controller because you do need to, um, yeah, you do need to think before you walk sometimes in this game. And, uh, we should become a cropper. Uh but yeah, those um those runner levels and you know some flicking through the books uh this evening, like looking through all the levels and stuff like There's just such a wild variety as, as a Nintendo game does and has at that at that era. It's just like you know, fair enough, it, some of them looks like they're taken from a galaxy game, like where you jump or no, not jump, but where the panels flip, for example, probably in time to the music. It, there are some recycled ideas from previous Mario games, but oh yes, it, it plenty, never yeah. it never feels it never feels cheap or, or lifted, you know, it felt, it felt like they had an idea and they were going to make it work within the constraints of Captain Toad. Mm. I mean, this works in, in, in both conversations we we're already
0: having about the aesthetic and the, the gameplay mechanics is there is a lot of Mario in this game, no doubt. The key mm. change is the, uh, the movement of your, your protagonist, your avatar being... Uh, as it is lacking in jumps uh, in a way, the, the dash button is a throwback to the, to Super Mario brothers, isn't yeah. it? Uh, uh-huh. To the, to the 2d old school era. Um, but yeah, there's, it, it's actually interesting while you're playing it, sort of um trying to sort of consciously mentally unpick what's a new Captain Toad thing. And what's a Mario thing because tons of it, you know, power blocks and picking vegetables and collecting coins and one up mushrooms. Like, I would say the vast majority of this is recognisably Mario, mm. but the core difference being that you can't jump and you have to solve levels of different ways. I mean, that is the, uh, that is the fundamental difference between Mario and a Captain Toad game, I There's even
3: quite a bit of Donkey Kong in there as well with the music when you pick up the pickaxe and there's also that level. Um, it is True. literally just a Donkey Kong level. Yes. It made, yeah. made me think that um, like if, they do, if they were to do Mario versus Donkey Kong now, would mm. it be in this style? You know, Mario mm. vs Donkey Kong treasure tracker kind of thing. Like that's mm. that's the way I'd make that kind of series now in 3D. Um, and of course it, that
0: also, I mean, that, that that game was also had levels. Well, it was the, the core. of I mean, they made several of those, didn't they? And yeah. the core uh-huh. gameplay of those was about herding little things back to a, a goal, Lemming style yeah. almost. Krusty's and style. the extra levels where you collect up the Captain Toad gang are very much along those lines, aren't mm. they? Mm-hmm.
1: It's funny you should say that, Darren, as well, because of course in odyssey there are levels where mario goes into 2d very much in sort of mm-hmm. uh link between worlds style goes onto a flat plane and there are times when you are moving around different sides of a cube a 3d cubic structure and you can't necessarily see the next sort of part of that level and that very much speaks to i think what you're saying with uh, the way that, that particularly that donkey kong uh style level in this game felt as well um yeah makes a lot of sense
0: Let's talk further about the control systems and the interface and and the differences between the systems as well, because this is a game where I think we need to talk about the actual manipulation of the camera as well as the gameplay, because it is kind of part of it, isn't it? Actually, you know, moving the diorama around, the camera doesn't really do any work for you, particularly, does it? And that's part of the discovery is that you you walk
1: through an archway and you don't know what's on the other side until you turn, which is part of the reason why Toad has to move quite slowly. And part of the reason why Mario doesn't work in this game. It's not just the jumping, actually you'd forever be turning a corner, walking through and walking off an edge because, um, that slow movement gives you the time to always be, I mean, you can literally always be spinning one direction or another just to see where you're going to and to keep an eye on where hidden items might be. Um, Mm. and and yeah it got to the point where with uh the cog tiles where you have to stand on them and then you have to spin on the screen you can do it with um buttons as well but you have to spin the screen i found myself not enjoying that and thinking well why can't i just do it with the right stick or something and mm. not mm. I'd not put two and two together that i'd been using the right stick to move it because it was almost automatic i was just without thinking yeah. spinning around to, to look at it and uh and to to keep my eye on all the different possibilities and the prospect get the perspective right uh, but it was completely second nature from level one onwards probably level one in, in super mario 3d world rather than this game yeah in the same way that moving a, a um, camera would be in a first person game
0: did you find any frustrations any of you i i certainly did think sometimes that i've It's not it's not that it was ever unfair because I did always have control of the camera and you can, you know, zoom it all around and zoom in and and whatever else. But there were times that I would fall off a ledge that I couldn't see or be hit by a bullet bill that I didn't know was coming towards me. And I guess that's down. That's on me because I hadn't manipulated the camera. But I think I think maybe that maybe that just takes a bit of getting used to when we you know, you think about the magnificent 3D camera in Super Mario Odyssey say it pretty much does everything for you now Uh, whereas we go back to Super Mario 64 and Sunshine and those cameras leave quite a lot to be desired
3: I never really found many frustrations from that point of view I mean usually you could take a hit and then recover you know from the old mushroom Mm. mechanic Um, but my frustrations were really come from blowing into the microphone and those kind of ah. you know the the quirky bits of the of the gamepad yeah. it kind of
2: yeah. it
3: never reliably worked for me that well and mm. even when they did I wasn't 100% sure on what on the outcome was going to be when I stood on a platform to blow like I'm sure there's a dotted line to show you where the platform's going to go but when you stood back on it and you wanted to go back like was the platform going to go back by itself or do I have to blow to go back like there was a little bit of um you know um I don't know what the word is kind of um mystery tool. to all. yeah ambiguity yeah. I was going to say that and bottled it um, yeah ambiguity <laughs> to it and uh, yeah you know So, uh, but I never found it a challenging game and I never found it was cheap but like I say I never found it to be you know if I got hit I was like oh no I'm going to lose loads of progress because the levels are short and you know you could just yeah. bounce back into it straight away without feeling like you've um, lost a lot of time
2: I think I it, it, it wasn't particularly the the ones where you have to blow um in order to get platforms to move. They 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 didn't bother me so much, but there were moments and I'm pr- I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure this is probably solved in the the Switch version, but um in the Wii U version at least, um there were moments where you had to um turn a wheel on the Wii, yeah. Wii U screen in order to manipulate something. And the wheels on the Wii, uh, the Wii U gamepad, but it's not on the screen. So it, there yeah. was this weird thing where I'm playing it on the TV, and I'm having to look down on my controller to see what I'm doing because it's not. I I don't trust myself to be able to do that and look at the TV at the same yeah. time. And when they were first introduced, it was fine because there was no threats. There wasn't any enemies coming towards me. So it was just a simple case of oh, okay, I, I'll look. Down at the Wii U pad, easy peasy. But then as the you know the challenge escalates, it does ask you to do that while there's, you know, like a giant lava dragon firing yeah. stuff at you and or, or you're having to aim a bullet bill
1: at a block or something that's moving. Yeah in one of the yeah, earlier exactly. levels with that and in and that, yeah. And yeah. it's not
2: it. I mean, it's. To- you can totally get used to it and and get the timing right. Um, it, it's easy to overcome, but it's it's just like a minor I- irritation in something that otherwise feels really slick. Um, and yeah, I just um, I'm not used to the- making that kind of compromise um, in a in a Mario uh, yeah. a Nintendo Mario game. It feels mm. like. That's kind of stuff is almost always accounted for, and it felt like a slight oversight. If it was in any other game, I'd probably be more forgiving. It's just that I, I'm used to Nintendo kind of oh, holding don't. themselves to a slightly higher standard. It's
3: the Yoshi texture thing, isn't it? Remember yeah. Yoshi's Woolly World? Be mind about the textures being a bit rubbish, and yeah. it reminds yeah. me of that a little bit. Like, because it's a Nintendo game, you are a little bit more nitpicky because you kind of expect every to bit of, stand out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It is obviously
1: the game. An issue with the game, but it seems like that's a little bit of the agony and the ecstasy of the Wii U inherently, is that mm. you had this second screen, but unlike a, D- a DS or a 3DS where they were right next to one another, they weren't. And there was this notion that, say in a zombie U or something like that, you could do something else with that second screen, but in a game like this, it takes your focus away to have to do that. Yeah. And that's a, that's a little bit of the kind of, it's just...
0: A difficulty with that system uh, as you see Josh. But interestingly uh, Suits, our correspondent and I tend to agree having played both Wii U and Switch versions thinks that maybe the Switch version was actually, this was the one one of the areas in which it was a mm. downgrade. I mean your mileage may vary but mm-hmm. Suits says one advantage that the Wii U had over the Switch in terms of input is the microphone, so that's the first thing uh, and this is my interjection of course we talked about this before but Famicom, the original Japanese NES, had microphones in its controllers as far back as 1983, (laughs) I think it was. So this is something that Nintendo have always been trying to incorporate. Famously, you could Mm -hmm. uh, utilize those. We talked about it in the Zelda podcast, didn't we? The original Zelda. Mm -hmm. Because you uh, you could make noise or not make noise to attract certain enemies and stuff like that. So this is something that Nintendo has been playing with for decades. The Switch does not have a microphone, but of course you can plug a headset in because it's not built in, they're not using it in any games, as far as I'm aware, because, I mean, they're not even bothered about voice chat. In fact, they actively seem to discourage it. The One advantage that you had over the Switch in terms of input is the microphone, allowing you to blow into the gamepad to raise platforms. This is simply changed to tapping with your finger on the Switch. Believe it or not, simply raising the gamepad to your face feels much better, in Suits' opinion, than taking your hands away from the controls to finally touch something on the screen. The constant motion icon on the Switch's screen is annoying. There's no way around it, unfortunately. I've gotten used to uh, moving it to the edge of the screen and fixing it there with R3. It's still there bobbing about, but it is better than having it slap back in the middle of the screen all the time. This is dock mode, obviously. Playing it in handheld is fine, but it's better on the Wii U, the console it was designed for. Also... The level interactions that require you to turn the wheel are maddening on the switch. You have to wind the wheel with your finger on the screen, having to take your hand away from the controls to do so, masking the screen and generally causing mayhem. So that, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, swings and roundabouts, it seems. Mm, Some of the later levels, especially boss fights. Require confident inputs and tight timing, something that this type of touch control spoils and often jeopardizes success. It's not a serious issue, but it is clearly a hangover from being on a different platform. Yeah, I mean, eh?
1: the the answer to that is either it comes to the Switch like this or it doesn't. uh, Because the Switch can't do these things. They didn't put a microphone in. Maybe they would have if they thought back to it now, but they didn't. And that's just the way it is it it doesn't mean it's not a legitimate criticism of course but that's what they're stuck with so yeah I I I wasn't fond of having to take one hand off and kind of spin my hand around on the screen leaving a giant smudgy mess on the screen Uh, but to, to Josh's complaint from earlier that was all done on top of what I could see was happening on the screen. So it was a, a layer over the top that was translucent and I could see through it. So that, that worked in terms of precision, but it did mean I was kind of flitting between that control and then going back to my sticks. Um, I think if you're, if you're in docked mode, but using joy cons, you can, you hold, um, a trigger down and kind of move the, the, joy-con around, I think, from the button prompts it looked like that, but mm, obviously yeah. that's that's just something yes. they had to account for um, with the, the different input issue. Yeah, I
0: tend to play on uh, Pro Controller docked, that's my, I mean obviously i played it a lot handheld as well but it' my choice, I prefer to play docked because I think, you know, in 1080p this game looks absolutely gorgeous yeah. on a big telly yeah. um, but it is true I think the the sort of reticle or whatever they've put on with which you can manipulate stuff, which is motion controlled, mm. you know, you, you, six axis style. You're, you're pointing at the screen with your, with your classic style controller. Mm. And the, 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 the big blue reticle thing is unsightly. And it does, it does rather spoil the look of the game, I think, which is, so, which is a, a damn mm. sh- damn shame.
1: Uh, handheld modes. You can do that by touching the screen onto, you can like, uh, you can, cause an enemy to kind of get stalled for a second stunned briefly you're you're just tapping and and the blue icon comes up where you're tapping in order for that to happen but yeah Yeah. it's not there all the time sure Yeah. Um, this reminds me of something like Tearaway which was so clearly made for the Vita that Mm. they just had to like having the touchpad on the, the PlayStation 4 controller sure helps with that. You've got an option there, but it's so clearly made for the Vita that it requ- must have required a lot of kind of swearing at earlier decisions you might have made <laughs> to suit one particular format that don't
0: happen to suit the the other. So, so I suppose the thing we should talk about are the, the kind of solving of the levels. The main thing that you'll you'll spend your time doing while playing Captain Toad is going through Level after level. I haven't actually count. I was going to count them up for the show. I think it's there's twenty something in each episode. Uh, a little about?
1: less than twenty in episodes one and two, and
0: then a few okay. more, a few more than twenty. But yeah, sixty ish in total. Comes plus. out fifty to sixty, I would think. Yeah, somewhere around yeah. there. Yeah. So it's uh, a decent amount of levels. The key aim in each one, the the thing that you'll want to do, although all you actually have to do is get to the end, you'll eventually get locked out of later levels because you'll have need to acquire gems to unlock later stages. The gems there are three of which precisely on every regular stage. Uh, you can complete them. Once you've got one, it stays got, but well, this is something that definitely wouldn't have been the case in the nineties <laughs> or possibly even the two thousands. Yeah. The fact that once you've got a gem, it remains yours. That's so modern game design. I love it for its convenience, but equally there is part of me which kind of thinks, yeah, it's a it's a bit too generous in some ways, because you can kind of die to get something and then you know, you'll know you've got it and you don't even have to worry about getting back to where you were kind of thing. You'll rack up enough lives to never worry about that particularly. But yeah, so really, I think the thing that even if people don't 100% everything with the golden mushrooms and the pixel toads, I think the if people were going to 100% anything it would be getting three gems on on every stage because that is the kind of the the basic completion um so yeah how about how about them levels and getting them gems um the process thereof and and some of the ideas and notions and concepts that go into designing captain toad's levels
1: it's not fair because this predates any kind of mobile game but The way that obviously this looks now is very much like puzzle games on mobile devices, which is you've got each level and you've got a certain amount of things to collect, whether it be coins or stars or gems or whatever it is. um, And and further progress is gated by how many of those you've got. You don't have to get 100% in every level, but you probably have to get half of them in order to be able to kind of keep progressing. And that, that probably sounds like it's a, it's a dig because it's something that if you play any number of mobile games, um, you're you're used to seeing a lot of. But in this, it really worked for me. Uh, if I finished the level and hadn't got all of the gems, I immediately didn't even think about it. I went back in and, and at minimum got the gems. Right. The, the optional objectives, I would then go back in. And, and often you can't get, all of the gems and do the optional objective at the same time. Sometimes uh-huh. it's a minimum, like if you're having to to use a cannon to shoot uh, turnips, or if you're having to manipulate the level in terms of sliding blocks or anything, there's a minimum number that is the target to do the optional objective and you just can't do it to get all of the gems. So it does require multiple playthroughs. So to, to speak to, to you, Leon, saying it, it's maybe a bit generous with giving you the gems just as soon as you pick them up, whether or not you then go on to finish the level or, or whatever. I, actually, I think what they wanted to do was make that the case, but I encourage you to go back and play through to get to try and find Pixel Toad or or the Golden Mushroom or to do the optional objective. I think that's where they wanted players having to play multiple times. And I think that's a kind of a neat way of it always being a reward and not a punishment to get you to do
3: so. For me, I found playing each level... I, I've mentioned this before on previous podcasts, like Resident Evil 1, uh, the remake. I, I like conquering areas and knowing that I've done it and that I, I don't necessarily have to go back. So like in, in treasure tracker, for example, like you, you create shortcuts for yourself and you know, you make things happen that kind of alleviate. If you do fall down, then you can quickly get back up. But I like the notion of going from starting from start to finish. If I, if I go through this area here, I tick off a few boxes and go, right, I've done that bit. Let's move on to the next bit. And it kind of like take each level bit by bit by bit by bit. And when you get to the end, you think, yeah, I really feel like I've conquered that. And sure, you do have to go back in to pick up a few bits here and there, which I had no problems with because once you'd finished a level and you've kind of, well, from my personal experience, I kind of eat as much as I could out of each level and then go back into it again. You've kind of, you're going in on a, on a much stronger foot and you kind of get the other objectives done straight away. And it's just like, yep, done, bingo. Working your way through each of these levels, you know, slowly chipping away at some of the walls with the pickaxes and taking down the enemies bit by bit and knowing they're not going to come back for the most part. It's just, there's a great sense of kind of ownership of these levels. And you're like, right, I have done that. Hey, wicked. Like, you know, we can move on to the next one and discovering the next one and peeking in and seeing like the wall go like you know transparent or see-through like and you get to poke inside these little in the train level was the level i played today and i thought oh god i'm really finding like a great satisfaction of pushing forward past each carriage and going right that carriage is done what's in the next one and they're only like Mm. small carriages but there is a there's a great sense of kind of satisfaction of clearing an area knowing that you don't have to struggle not struggle but you know like endure it again i know i'm making it sound like it's dark souls but honestly like (laughs) there's just a great sense of just like right that's done, cut it off, move on to the next bit, and just like I've conquered that bit. Toad is, you know, Captain Toad is on form here and yeah, we're marching on forward.
2: One of the things I really like about Captain Toad, and and honestly this is true of a lot of the the more recent um Mario games, is the three gems, like how many I choose to collect out of those three kind of shows my engagement and love of that level. Mm-hmm. So One of the the reasons why I like that design, that having those free collectibles, is if you come across... So this is going to be blasphemy for some people, but I've never been a fan of the ghost levels in Mario. Mm. So if you come across a ghost level, and if I come across a ghost level, I'll be like... Right, okay, I'll find whatever gems I can find so that I can progress and then I'll move on. But if I find a level that I really like, it's like, right, this is a level that I'm going to completely rinse of uh, every collectible I can get. And I like Mm. that kind of customizable difficulty where you can choose your level of engagement with every single level of the game. And uh, yeah, Captain Toad does that wonderfully. Where if you really like a you know a level's aesthetic and and whatever mechanic they're playing with, you can you know do a deep dive into it. You can just completely explore it and and see all the nooks and crannies. But if you not you you know you're not feeling it collect you know maybe one gem maybe two if you're lucky and then you can move on and you don't have to waste waste time on levels that you're not absolutely in love with mm. and uh, yeah I love that design
3: I know what you're saying about the ghost levels like I have to be in the right frame of mind to be pranked do you know what I mean it's like you're setting yourself up yeah. to be knobbed around with for a few minutes you're like alright today is not the day that I want to have the boos giggling in my ear I was every five seconds I'm like, going to yeah, open the, the door doors f- disappearing in a puff of yeah, smoke that kind that's of, yeah that's you it know, you, you have to be in the right frame of mind for a ghost level a boo level and especially one where in Captain Toad in particular you've got that house with a million doors on it and you think yeah. yeah here we go give me the runaround labyrinth David Bowie we're going to do some silly j- <laughs> you know, capers it's just like alright yeah that, that that was
2: exactly the level I was thinking of in my head when I, I, I was saying that. I just see you that.
3: rolling your eyes every time a door pops uh, Well, there's no way
0: of knowing until you try it. So it's counterintuitive
2: Yeah, that's what annoys me. Just, yeah. just give me a level. Uh, yeah. anyway. Stop
3: <laughs> messing me around. <laughs> Stop having fun, you stupid God, ghosts. I hate Nintendo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I suppose one thing that I wanted to talk about uh, is I think when I first... I can't remember, but I think when I first played a Captain Toad stage in Super Mario 3D World, my assumption was that it would be entirely grid-based in terms of the movement. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I thought that yeah. everything would be locked to... So if you're in line with a bullet bill or whatever, yeah. there, if yeah. you're on that line, there is no dodging it kind of thing. And that is true to an extent, but actually it keeps enough of the 3D Mario World stuff to allow you that room for manoeuvre. So it's not as completely um, bespoke as a traditional puzzle game. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd almost go so far as to say, it's
1: yeah, it's not the case. Like the little pools of lava, you can edge past those and and you you can kind of duke enemies that are following you or running at you Mm. uh, like several of them do. They chase you all in, in different ways, as you would expect from the characters as enemies in Mario games. You you sometimes you'll get caught, you get clipped, and and yes. you go from big little toad to little little toad. Um, and yeah, yeah. Um, and that happens. Yeah, I think but, it
0: could have been more, uh, and I'm not saying it would have been better. Mm. I'm just think it's an interesting design choice. It could have been a, di- a very digital set up but yes, it's actually
1: yeah. quite analog. Only very much as yeah there's you can squeeze through and round places and avoid uh, particularly where you've got enemies that are blocking your path in a, in a sort of specified like the spike walls that Darren mentioned earlier uh, or the sort of any of the flying enemies you can kind of squeeze past them and and make use of every pixel in that Respect in a very analogue way. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, so um, I think that's what probably makes it still, despite the lack of jumping, makes it a platform puzzler rather than a pure puzzler. Or yeah. uh, we were talking before uh, on our Ghosts and Goblins, Makai show from the original game, how back in the day, uh, before the term platform game was completely commonplace we Mm. used to uh, refer to them as levels and ladders (laughs) game and it's actually it's it's uh, it's kind of harks back to some old some really really old 80s style levels and ladders games in in that respect
3: it's like um everything's got a certain width not everything but a lot of things got a certain width and the platforms have got a certain width you know so like Mm. uh, like you say, bullet bill or or the wall eyes they have a certain width and they're going to take up a certain amount of space it's but it's not like Doom RPG on your mobile phone, where if an imp pops into a into a corridor or a hallway, it kind of even though there's loads of room down the side of this imp, yeah. he, ta- he takes up the whole corridor. It's not yeah. like that, is it? Because there is a lot of finesse to yeah. the movement in, within the world. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a very clever, um, yeah, clever. Very, I'm using the word clever a lot today with this game, and I think it kind of sums up my feelings for it. It's, yeah, fair, think, it's very smart. I think, I think
1: it gives the player a sense of it gives. Sorry, actually, no, it gives the puzzle a sense of not being just solvable in these three ways that were designed It very much is solvable in the three ways as designed but as you were saying leon if you want to just fall down on you know kind of fall off an edge somewhere because you think it'll get you to somewhere you can trial and error a solution a bit like that to get to a gem that you just want to get for this once to get it done yes
0: exactly yeah i find very very scripted puzzle games can be quite frustrating because if you get stuck, you're stuck, you know, if you can't work it out. If you just don't happen to be able to see the, yeah, the solution. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: Um, I'm thinking in particular of some of the, I think there's at least a couple of them, the water tank levels where you're kind of filling the level up and trying to get up onto the top level and occasionally you have to Mm -hmm. just drop off the edge. There is a lot of again finesse another word we've used quite a lot of there's a lot of picking your point and and drifting your way down to where you want to be mm. it's not like mm. you drop off the edge and you're just going to hit it there but then on on say some of the the pipe maze levels some of where you shoot out from one end of a pipe into something else it is very prescribed in terms of they know they've designed it such that you don't necessarily think the right thing's going to happen, but it always does. You always drop in the right place just where you need mm. to. Um, and so, yeah, it's a really nice balance between having incredibly tightly designed puzzles, but then offering the player enough kind of fuzziness on the edges to feel like they're getting away with
0: something almost. We haven't really talked about sound design, but talking about the glass pipes made me think of it there. Mm. Um Obviously, uh, that's one of my favourite sound effects. The uh, obviously it comes from 3D World, but the the sliding through the glass pipe sound effect <laughs> yeah. is a, is a is a treat. The sound overall, I think, um, I suppose, like the visuals, some people will not be able to hack it. The high pitched grating toad voices and the cutesy cutesy tunes, the marching band music. I mean, again, a lot of the audio is uh, is straight from the Mario lineage and mu- other Mushroom Kingdom games and a lot of, you know, pleasantly familiar sounds. Uh, there's also some remixes and uh, of, of familiar tunes, but some some new ones as well. Captain Toad's theme makes a an embellished return compared to its uh, rather almost sort of melancholic uh, original <laughs> from the from Super Mario Galaxy. Uh, but, yeah, I can uh, I can totally understand people, again, who don't like the, you know, the the child friendly aesthetic finding the the audio uh grating but uh there's if yeah if, i guess it's if you're into the into the aesthetic the sound kind of marries up with the visuals ever so well
3: yeah and like all, all the sound effects and stuff they they are part and parcel of the mushroom kingdom aren't they so you know what to expect um music wise i found you know they do recycle the main tune quite a lot into different other you know ways and it's, yeah. it's quite nice you know the music kind of mutes a little bit when you go underwater as you know as you would kind of Mm -hmm. expect uh yeah and it's all kind of nice and but the music that's kind of played in desert lands and in other kind of themed areas they they never really hit any highs for me Mm -hmm. Uh, they they kind of remind me of music you'd hear in say a mario party game which kind of sounds more of a diss than what it actually is but it kind of feels like you know they they make some decent enough mario style music to fill in to, to fit the levels that are mm. themed if you know what i mean so uh, mm. you know not not necessarily um a bad thing it's just it's just no, not The good very thing memorable. is you're
0: never hearing each tune for you know more than a few moments at a time well, that's it yeah
3: and and they do reuse
1: obviously where you get to a different uh visual aesthetic they'll kind of marry that up with certain pieces of music so you can you do kind of know what to expect when you see the picture of the level
3: you know kind of probably what music you're going to be hearing but mm. that, oh, that main theme, man, it just runs through your head though, like <laughs> just just the whistles and the marching and oh, it's just, it's, it's brilliant. I love <laughs> yeah, it yeah. yeah, it is absolutely doing it now. Um, yeah, the, the other one that stood
1: out to me is the the Level Select music um, has a little do-do-do-do-do that every yeah. time I wow. hear it, it's Queen's One Vision. I can't not hear it, it just <laughs> is. And uh, that's just me. As soon as I heard it, I was like, well, this is clearly that thing i <laughs> so every yeah, it's just I can't he- hear it and not
2: think of that, which is just a weird kind of uh, give me
0: fried chicken. They should say at the end of every level.
2: <laughs> I realise that a lot of people find Toad's voice really grating, but I'm going to speak in defence of it. I I I find the fact that he's just kind of this dorky, and it and it links into what I was saying with his animation and all of that. His dorky, silly voice is. Really, part of his charm, like I, I, I like agree. that he is not in any way cool, like yeah. I mentioned before. Like totally. his voice just sounds so pathetic and silly, but that ah, makes him even more
3: lovable. Yeah, yeah, um, tough, so, like
2: yeah, it.
3: yeah, yeah. I love it. I mean, it, it literally does great on my ears, but not in a negative way. Like, it does sound like he is his throat is absolutely scratching the highest possible it's, noises.
2: Yeah. It's like when you see one of those like uh, dogs with a weird bark, and everyone's like, like <laughs> yeah. on on YouTube or Twitter or whatever, or they just make a weird noise. It's like it's still cute. It's really odd and a little bit grating. Yeah. but it's and still charming. he's had this since
0: Mario Kart sixty four, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. It's I mean, it's ridiculous, but yeah, uh, embrace it.
1: <laughs> it would be weird if he didn't have that voice. And I know that's just because I'm used to it and whatever. That is what it is. But, you know, no.
0: I think it, they should it. poochify him. Give him like a <laughs> uh, an African-American New York voice for the next game. <laughs> well, Although the, actually um- that would be quite cool
3: the mayor toad man from sunshine has a different voice to a regular toad and Ooh, that's a bit yeah he's yeah, mm-hmm. a bit strange isn't it it doesn't sit right with me
1: um, no I'm a, I'm a big toad fan uh, toad is my yeah. go to for my
0: art as well so uh, yeah, same, I think he's
1: same. cute as a button mushroom
0: there are boss fights, too, to conclude or, or segue between certain sections. Uh, Suits from the forum says boss fights are maybe the weakest part. Dragadon and Wingo are a pain, if truth be told, for me anyway. I understand they're a means to an end. And because of that, I sort of accept them as being a key part of the experience as such. Generally, they're just timed multi-stages jumping from area to area. They aren't particularly bad in terms of design or delivery, but I would have preferred something a bit more puzzle-based as opposed to a timed chase or multi-stage battle. It would have been fitting to the theme, I think. You guys, what do you reckon?
2: I kind of see where he's coming from. I I think Dragadon um, was great. I think he was just repeated uh, a few too many times. I think it would have been better as a a one-and-done boss fight. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Wingo's blowing me off blowing the stage stuff about, all the yeah. time mm-hmm. that that wasn't particularly fun but again i think that's more to do with the fact that it's it's repeated a few times and if it was just a one and done set piece i think i wouldn't have been that bothered the only weakness of the boss fights is that there wasn't more varied encounters with different bosses
3: yeah i love the way they look though they do. They look like they are prime for plushy material. The know? animation
0: is astounding, yeah. like Pixar quality realisation. One curio that Digital Foundry spotted is that, uh, I guess, to keep the frame rate up, the, uh, the, the the Dragadon stage on Switch runs at a lower resolution than the entire rest of the game. <laughs> uh, it runs at 720p, same as on Wii U
1: so the the boss fights and the turret levels uh, or the minecart levels i should say for example mm. i i get why they're there to break up and having the kind of drag it on in the middle of the episode and then wingo towards the end although not necessarily right. right at the end depending on how it worked out that it makes sense but i also do agree that there's not a lot of distinction between each one of the i guess it's three fights you have with each of them there's not a mm. massive amount of distinction between particularly dragadon it's literally you're walking around a cylinder waiting for him to uh or i should say it to breathe it's toxic gas at you essentially <laughs> and then yeah. and then kind of carrying on i i guess the um Scarecrow fights and Batman Arkham are kind of a reasonable analog for that, yeah, but, yeah, but obviously true. tonally completely different in terms of what's going on. And visually, it looks great, but I can't deny that by the third one, I was just almost sleepwalking it because it is just really yeah. straightforward. A bit, a, bit of padding, maybe. E- even finding the gems and that—it's just mm. you, you stumble over them. Basically, there's no mm. uh, real challenge to that. So I get why they're there to break things up, but it did feel like maybe it didn't need to be so much. I don't know.
0: Not a boss, but one sticking point I did have for a little while, I'd say that overall that this game's difficulty is, is not particularly high, but there was one level that I died on a lot, which was one where I think it might actually count, yeah, it's a Boo level, It's it's a haunted house kind of affair where the liquid rises up there's you know some deadly liquid that rises up from mm. the floor and it's a it's a it's an on it's not on rails but it is a much more prescriptive section that requires you to and the boozer pincer attacking you and whilst you can yes. defeat them because of the head torch it's not yeah yes. mm. don't switch your head torch off which is a thing you can do in this game for oh, no yeah, reason really which I like. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah I don't know if I can't remember if I had any other uh, you know on both both my save files on Wii U and Switch, I've racked up, you know, dozens of lives. But there have been there have been moments when, you know, sometimes it's you just it's a game where being overly hasty won't do you any favors. Um you've got to continue to be careful um to concentrate, basically. Yeah. Even if even though the difficulty overall, I would say, is quite gentle. Uh, it's that sort of game where you can quite quickly get into a rut of making the same mistakes over and over again or i can anyway
1: yeah no absolutely um uh episode one level 15 i think it is is uh one that because i was replaying it and got past that one i i was reminded it's one where you're on uh fairly narrow platforms and the the blocks are all falling obviously if you stay on them for too long they'll start to fall you get about halfway through that level, and it's been tricky-ish, but you can mostly get through it pretty straightforwardly. It's just getting to the the gems can be an issue. And about halfway through, they give you they give yeah. you one ups in plenty of the levels, so it's neither yeah. here nor there really. That one up seems very specifically because the next oh, thing yeah. that happens yeah, yeah, is yeah. you walk over a dash pad, and obviously you can't jump, you can't avoid, you have to go over it, and then you yep. are on basically toad width platform and have to make a a turn, Mm. a chicane in that. um, And you're dashing across it and can't really slow down as far as I I tried anything I could to slow down. I couldn't. Um, And that just, if you have to put a one up there because you know players are going to die over and over again, maybe don't do that. That sounds Mm. like a real sort of, please take the difficulty out of my games complaint, but it just (laughs) seems like... That's an
0: interesting point though. I would say that putting a one up just for a tricky bit is something that mario certainly has been doing for a long time for sure yeah and Um, but yes whether it's and better to have it there than than have the tricky bit without the one up
1: but it just seemed so very clear to me that we're putting this one up here so that i might be frustrated but at least i wouldn't run out of lives and if that's the case then what are you doing that seemed very uh antithetical to the design of a lot of the rest of this game
0: to me we try to we try to avoid very much on and Rince talking about objectively good and bad design because uh, it's quite a subjective matter. I understand that there are certain things which you know you might always consider to be a sin or or a saintly thing, but that's actually a good good example of something where it could go either way. It depends on the difficulty of that subsequent section, I suppose. But hmm. then, as we've discussed and explored before, difficulty is a subjective thing in itself. Like right? sure, yeah. James, James here can. One, you know, play through Dark Souls uh, without powering up, but I think it's fair to say you find quite a lot of other games quite challenging. Platforming and timing stuff,
1: certainly, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, whereas I'm much better with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's, I mean, I guess you can't make a, a universal panacea. Nintendo have experimented with these ideas. In recent times, going back to the the Wii era where they'd put in the the kind of helper videos or the or the invincibility power ups and all this kind of thing, and I don't think this game quite has that. No. So I suppose it's a little bit more. It looks looks backwards a bit further than the Wii era in terms of its difficulty.
3: Probably another discussion to be had about why this game even got lives, and that's probably just because it's got a mushroom noise. You know what I mean? Like, why is this game yeah. got lives in it at all? It's a good like-
0: point. Yeah. Um, Do you need them? I mean, I can't remember what the game over screen looks like. I'm not. Have I ever seen it? I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, is there know, one? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the levels just, are so
3: short. There's no. There's no potential to lose your progress within a level by running out of lives. Does like, it just give you a life if you run out of lives? I it's an know. interesting <laughs> one, isn't it? Yeah. If, it if, just pops his head off, his hat off, and he gives you another life. There <laughs> you go, if, if
1: I'd run out of lives on that level, like I hadn't made it to the one up and had died, which you know okay, I've had to try to do that. I'm almost tempted to fire it up and see what happens because do I just have to start over from 1-1 again? Surely not. That
0: would seem ridiculous. Uh, but No, d- no, certainly not, no. M- maybe, um, it, and yeah, th- they've. And yeah. they. so I, see, I'm struggling to even think now because we, we've talked for years about in Mario games the use of lives, whether it was necessary, whether they should have carried on with it. I'm actually now struggling to remember. I've completed Odyssey, not 100%, but I've completed it did they they finally got a did coin away... system? Yeah, yeah they, they do did away, away with
3: lives. Yeah, and you yeah. Just fall off or whatever and you lose a certain amount of coins. That's right. Yeah. So they yeah. did finally do away
0: with lives in that one. But the one up mushroom makes that iconic and very pleasing noise and it's yeah. nice to pick it up. So almost, is yeah. that worth keeping it just for that? <laughs> you
3: know, okay. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. Well, it, I suppose in that case, like getting a fire flower gives you an extra ability. Could there be some difference between short and large versions of a character in terms of what they can do. It's difficult in this game because what do you do? Have yeah. toad move a bit
0: quicker when he's larger or slower when he's larger? I don't know. I think he, but does yeah. he?
1: I think No, I, don't, that, I guess that, it's the same. Yeah, I, th- I
0: think it's the same. But, but it's also interesting looking at uh, footage of the upcoming Mario Maker 2 and uh, for Switch, which obviously is another game they're having to kind of reconfigure for a for that different the difference between the setup of a Switch and a, and a Wii U gamepad. Mm. Is so much of the video that they do around that stuff is based on people chaining enemy kills until they get one ups. Like there's almost a whole kind of 2D Mario subculture which is all around working out where the exploits are to get one up. Yeah, yeah, diddly yeah. Diddly, yeah. Diddly, did, diddly did. Um, and it would they could have easily left one ups out of this game because it's not actually a Mario game, but yet there they are. Um yeah, that's interesting. I'm not sure there's any conclusion to it. It's just, I wonder how hard baked those decisions are, how how much they thrash them out, how much they they think it's vital to get it right even. Just off the top of
1: my head, obviously the, the super mushroom, I guess, um, mm. you could have that as a, you start off with two hit points in the level. And yep. those, the the red mushrooms would allow you to, if you'd already dropped down to one, you could, you could get the, the, your your second hit point back and it would just be you start over the level again. And so the one up mushroom sound could have been given to the golden mushrooms. Yeah. If it's just yeah. a case of the sound and the little sort of, you know, um, animation you get when you collect it, there are ways mm. to put that in without it actually being live. I bet there's some punishing.
0: diktat at nintendo they say you cannot doubt, yeah, use that noise as unless say, it's yeah. for a one-up
1: <laughs> spitballing game design from someone who hasn't designed himself anything in his <laughs> life yeah it's ridiculous of course but just off the top of my head i think oh, no, there are ways absolutely. to keep that hold of the aesthetic stuff without needing we can to do what keep we hold like. of the uh yeah.
0: all of it you know so amiibo because it's well, when did amiibo first launch 20? smash brothers wii u Okay, So, 20 so just, just 13, before this game 14. came out on the Wii U in right, November right, okay. 2014. And Pixel Toad was tied in with Amiibo in the original release, but hmm. not on the recent versions because Pixel Toad is now just something that happens at the end of every level. Pixel Toad jumps into on the screen. Drops up in the bottom right, go, yeah. You can go back and find it. Suits says the process of unlocking the pixel toads was a laborious process it would involve scanning in toad on each page of the book to activate him in the level then once you'd done that you could go in separately to the main level goals and hunt the pixel toad these begin to get quite hard in places often i'd be left with the only option but to listen out for his calls and cries once you get close to his location. Quite often he would be hidden behind a moving platform or leaping out of lava at a precise time once you're in a certain location. Again, it was something that was a welcome break or just something else to do once you'd finished a level. Anything that encourages more time spent with these delightfully crafted levels should be welcomed. The Switch 3DS amiibo functionality differed slightly as the Pixel Toad hunt was unlocked from the start, and now scanning in Toad would grant invincibility to the player. If you scanned in one of the three Odyssey Wedding Amiibo,
3: this would unlock the Odyssey levels early. Yeah, quite like the old pixel hunting characters. They did it in 3D World, or was it 3D? Uh, yeah, it was 3D World. It was something like the Year of Luigi, and he was just everywhere. And, you know, if you look closely enough, yeah, you could carry on spotting him and touch him and he runs off. Yeah, it was just something nice to do. Yeah, here
0: you get, uh, you get an extra stamp on your, on your book. I don't don't know if you collect them all, whether there's something extra or whether it's just pure, pure satisfaction. Pocket Circuit Fighter, a new forum contributor, says, I picked up Captain Toad on on a whim as it was bundled with this very cute Toad amiibo. This was my first amiibo ever and led me down a deep, dark path (laughs) where I now have 80 plus. I mention this Mm. because this is a lasting positive memory I have of this game. I found its levels very charming, but mostly too easy. There was the classic Mario difficulty spike that I found frustrating and jarring during this mostly relaxing and easy game. There is one level in particular where Toad is asked to run on speed pads and you need to blow on the Wii U microphone to move platforms while controlling him. Any errant movement and Toad dies. I found myself replaying this level for an hour and a half and getting repeated game over screens as I tried to complete the challenge of collecting all the coins. Even on the easier levels, I found these post-level reveals of extra challenges frustrating and at odds with the relaxing pace of the game. I despise when this mechanic is employed in tactics and puzzle games. The game hides the challenge from you and you spend your time on every level, checking every nook and cranny, defeating every enemy, collecting every coin and, in the end, you find that you just needed to not destroy any block, despite the fact that it's quite enjoyable to play as Toad in pickaxe mode. By the time, by the end of the game, I was rushing to get through my initial playthrough of the levels done as quickly as possible to reveal the challenge. Then I would replay with the challenge and get 100%. But for what reason? I spoiled my enjoyment of the game because I found the second playthroughs of the levels boring, but I knew I needed to do them in order to unlock those bonus levels from a 100% playthrough. That's where I'm left with Captain Toad. The developers pushed me in a way that soured my enjoyment of this potentially fun and pretty game. I love the characters and the music from Super Mario 3D World, but I feel like this is a lot of wasted potential.
1: I, I was more than happy to play through first time, go for the gems and then find mm. out what the challenge was if I hadn't done it afterwards and go in with that challenge as my target. Mm. So I, I didn't mind missing the challenge first time round mm, yeah. at all.
3: Um, but but yeah, it Yeah, it's all personal, isn't it? And you know, it's up to the person playing. But for Mm. me personally, the levels are so short, and overall, the game was a short ish experience I didn't mind it playing it you know once mm. and once again it's kind of like the Resident Evil 2 remake going on around I did it in you know about seven hours for the mm. first time so I thought you know what, I'm going to go through again and then I went through again after that and it's, so it's all subjective to your own tastes but yeah. shorter the better at least means I'm going to play it twice over which is kind of counterintuitive because <laughs> if the game was double the length you know I'd, I would have played so it for just you as much yeah get the, but, yeah, um, get
1: the, the full whack
0: Yeah, I can understand that desire to tick every box complete every challenge but i'm quite happy to to let it go myself um but i do understand there can be a frustration when a game to do it properly asks you to play in a way that is not a way in which it's encouraged you to do up to that point Uh, it's again this is comes back to our previous conversation in that in some ways you know it can be something that a lot of people welcome because it adds it adds a new wrinkle to the whole experience of the game but if you enjoy one very particular aspect or asset of a game and then it asks you to kind of not throw it out but kind of go well above and beyond or sideways from that skill set then yeah it can frustrate because yeah, yeah. you've bought a game for a certain reason and then it's asking you to do things that you just aren't Capable think, of or comfortable um,
1: with the, the yeah, I guess it's just a, a difference of philosophy because, like, I always think the the very best achievements and trophies and games are the ones that push me to play or think about a game in a way that yeah. I haven't at all before yes, to yeah. to do something that is perhaps completely different to how I would naturally play, but I get to see the game from a different mm. side or perspective or light or however you want to kind of put it. But um, but yeah. If that's not um, that clearly wasn't Pocket Circuit Fighters' um,
0: cup of tea, yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Then Mm. yeah, yeah, I completely understand that. The books and episodes structure. I'm not sure why they went with this. I suppose it's like a journal, um, or a story. uh, I guess. Suit says the books were cool. The pages were nice. The presentation was on point. It really felt like a journal that you were progressing through and fulfilling. Seeing the pages fill up with the task, getting completed was fun, and flicking through the pages gave a nice feeling. Once you'd 100%ed a level, you'd get a little travel stamp in the top right of the book that you could see in previous pages as you progressed. Then once you'd done that, you'd unlock a par time for the course, which was always the quickest time to do the level. In my experience, you literally couldn't put a little foot wrong in these challenges. It's proper second tight race to the goal. I managed to beat the first level of the first book in this and left it Mm. there. So, yeah, there you go.
3: Yeah, I like the book presentation. It's um, the first I thought nothing of it, but the more I think about it, it's kind of like an extension of Mario jumping into paintings in the castle. It's kind of like you touch the picture in the book and, the uh, you know, it swirls and then you're off yeah. you go inside that kind of that story of that page in the book. And, yeah, mm. it is kind of like a little nighttime kind of, you know, bedtime book kind of thing, like but in video game form, you know, just have a little story and it's Toad running around a level. And then, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's very nice. It also reminds me of, um, well, obviously Yoshi, because in most of those games they all have little storybooks at the start. Yes, and Yoshi's story, the pop-up book. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's all kind of linked, isn't it? Yeah, it's, very, uh, it's a classic
0: idea. The idea of going into your fantasy fiction, entering a magical world somehow, going back to uh, Alice in Wonderland and things like mm. that. Yeah. Extra levels and challenges, we've already alluded to them. Uh, we had an email that's, I'm just doing a little celebration for having received an email. <laughs> Matt Sharawara says there are so many games and many of them are so generous these days that I find myself having to create rules for them before I dive in. Things like stick to the main story missions only, avoid all side missions and pay no mind to what trophies you can unlock. Of course, those rules totally collapse when a game world is so captivating or so well designed that you just can't help yourself but push the completion percentage to 100. Enter Captain Toad treasure tracker. I expected a twee little puzzler and ended up with a twee little puzzler plus a challenge mode, plus a speed running mode, plus a Where's Wally style search em up, plus an almost endless runner coin collecting. Oh gosh, this is making me so tense. Survival mode thing. (laughs) I don't ever think I've bothered with speed running as a mandated or self mandated mode in any other game. Yet there I was making those poor little toads hustle breathlessly to the finish line. The extra layer of challenges turned the second encounter with a slightly dopey looking dragon from mild whimsy to total frustration and eventual jubilation in what I will now only refer to as that dragon level. No matter how deep you want to dive into this game, I fully recommend it to all. And I can say to all nervous flyers out there that the portable switch version was particularly effective at distracting me from the fact that I was in a steel tube being flung through the air at 40,000 feet. Thank you, dragon. Matt Sharawara there embraced the extra levels of challenge and was happy apart from when he was throwing his switch around an airplane. So yeah, the original Wii U version, of course, came out on the heels of Super Mario 3D World was a spin-off from. And so in that version, you can unlock some Super Mario 3D World levels. It's only a handful. It's not loads. uh, And they've since been supplanted on the more recent versions by some Super Mario Odyssey levels, which are very sweet. I think uh, there's oh, – I'm trying to think what they are now. There's one based on the city, Udonk City. Donk, yeah. uh, there's an, uh, an on-rails one which is based on the Luncheon Kingdom.
3: Ah, uh, i one think. where it's the, uh, the ice desert level. With yes, the, that's it, that's they're, they're, the first
0: one, the Upside Down Pyramid. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, um, yeah. the Mexico-style mm-hmm. place. Yeah. Uh, Suit says the Super Mario Odyssey levels are a nice addition, although I don't feel like they're necessary. And I think they could have come up with something better, something original than using the Odyssey themes. Having spent a significant amount of time in these levels already playing them in a Hakoniwa style didn't really do much for me other than, oh, look how they've done that. If I'd not played the life out of Odyssey, I might have enjoyed them more. As it stands, I feel this was a missed opportunity to include some extra content, or the Switch port that really added value to the game, rather than a few cross-pollination levels. That said, this is a cross-pollination game at its roots, after all. I think I have a slightly more positive take, uh, but you know, I'm just a sucker, even though it's only uh, a year and a bit ago since uh, Odyssey was first in my life. Uh, I find it quite easy with mario stuff to immediately you know even if it is fan service and a reminder of the things and adventures you've had before just going oh look they've made a super mario odyssey level in a cute little Mm. diorama (laughs) it worked for me Uh, as it did with 3d world back in back on the original version and i was almost attempted to reinstall that version just to go back to those levels what i would say is so
1: this game came out of super mario 3d world And at the end of it, the end of Captain Toad Treasure Tracker led into Super Mario 3D World, which makes Mm. a lot of sense because Captain Toad dashes off to join Mario in this quest and then pops up in that game. That makes a lot of sense.
0: Yes, but Captain Toad does also appear in Odyssey.
1: Sure, but it just feels more neat to have him have the 3D World levels be there and it tie all of that in together in that way. It just... I have nothing against the Odyssey levels being in there. It just, I'm not sure why.
0: I think they would count as a promotional item, uh, yeah, whereas yeah. I don't think they, I, I guess they thought it was worth the development time of those three levels yeah. rather than promote, re-promoting a game on a, on on a <laughs> sadly, Yeah, where they can't buy system. it on a Switch, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not sure why they're not in there as well. Like if you want to add uh, in that, extra yeah. Odyssey levels, I don't know why you wouldn't put those levels in as well. I don't think there can be any, Technical reason why not. I don't think
0: they are, or are they?
3: Maybe they are. No, I was uh, watched a review earlier. Yeah. IGN, yeah. George Grebwalson we'll just- says that the 3D World ones are missing. Yeah. That's a shame. Um,
0: maybe yeah. they should have put them back in with the update. Hmm. Yeah, I know, I agree. They they could have put them in as well. Uh, maybe there's probably some internal concern that people would have taken that, that 3D, 3D World World's was coming, coming, to Switch, to, maybe, yeah. coming to Switch, which it should <laughs> yeah, yeah, second attempt. Yeah. Yeah, 3D be. land and 3D world HD, please. Now, tomorrow in one package would be very nice. Uh, it would be an excellent. Yes. Uh, period and Galaxy One and Two. While we're while we're, while it. we're asking for things, <laughs> Nintendo. Anyway, <laughs> I know. And Ryan works for them, and yet here we are. <laughs> Bowser's in charge now, anyway. So we're all what that will mean. No,
2: no new Mario games <laughs> no, ever. Again. Bowser games <laughs> or <More> Mario <laughs> games.
0: Yeah, so it was. Uh, I guess it was a nice surprise. The recent Nintendo Direct, time of recording, February 2019, uh, had a lot of uh, interesting stuff. For, your mileage may vary again as regards to the the games that were debuted on that Direct, but I think a lot of people enjoyed it. And one of the nice little surprises was it had actually. It's been something I'd actually noticed since I'd bought Captain Toad on Switch. It had never had so much as a patch, and I suppose it made sense because it was a port of an existing game. And really, you know, it was up, up-res and up scales, and they yeah, had scaled, and they added a few wrong, new yeah. levels. But it didn't, you know, the, basically the final version of Captain Toad Treasure Tracker functioned perfectly to Nintendo standards. So when they ported it, they didn't, you know, they didn't muck it up basically. But then they announced this update. The update went live soon after the direct. Uh, and it added the option to buy some dlc and for a few quid or a few dollars uh th- this is going to be available you can play the first level now which i already have uh, but as it turned out we scheduled this show a few weeks ahead 14th of march is when the rest of the dlc is coming out um i think it's fair to say nintendo has a kind of mixed um reputation with dlc so far like i don't think many people were overwhelmed by the breath of the wild stuff but the Mario Kart stuff went down pretty well. Um, the uh, Mario Rabbit stuff, I think, is largely well regarded, but the Splatoon 2 yeah, stuff, yeah, not the- so much. So I'm hoping for a set of tightly designed levels that are worth playing, basically.
1: The Breath of the Wild stuff was, it wasn't announced when the game was released, but this to go back to this game that, yes, they ported last year, but to go back and add extra uh, DLC to this game seems very specific to me. Like someone mm. must have had something more they wanted to do, say, or add to this game. The decision was then taken afterwards, which does give me hope that the quality should be there. You know, you, this doesn't seem like something you cash in on. It's As you say, the, the price seems very reasonable, Uh, To me, at least, um, that seems like something that it's not just a quick cash in. It's not something willy nilly they're doing just to say they've got DLC. It feels like there's a reason to go back and and do
3: this. I I, I think the reason here is like, you know, a a massive increase in sales on a a system that is you know, two player by default, you know, they've added this co-op mode yeah. and yeah. you, you, we, you, you two joy cons off and you've got a two player mode there and why not yeah. make some more levels while we're here? It mm. just uh, it makes perfect sense to update this game as opposed yeah. to Donkey Kong tropical freeze. You know what I mean? Uh, it just, this seems like the game that you would add to because you can just have two player mode like that. Well, like mm. that, like the switch. Really yeah. Clever. Nice.
0: Yeah. No, I, unfortunately I haven't had the opportunity to play any co-op, um, I'm sure it would be cute and fun. Uh, Get and your friends out. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> it's the sort of game I could imagine how McKeel playing with his kids. Uh, maybe yeah. yours, uh, Darren, is a little young for Captain yeah, Toad. Yeah, she's
3: rubbish at games, mate.
0: I know. <laughs> we know she's an idiot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the cutest idiot. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I imagine maybe in your future. You uh, maybe yeah. she's probably like one year away from co-oping Captain Toad with you,
3: maybe something. Like yeah, that. she can run Spyro the Dragon off into a, into his death. So why not uh, yeah. two player co-op Toadette off a cliff as well? Why <laughs> yeah, <not>? <laughs> <laughs> it'd be really frustrating.
0: Um, no, but it, it's um, yeah. Why not? Why not add it? And uh, I, mm. yeah, I'd be really interested to see how much work they had to do on the levels, you know, to make them work with two players, because a lot of it is yeah. very specifically based around one person, isn't it? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. And just before uh, we sort of round up the feedback, uh, just worth mentioning there's another game that came out uh, towards the end of last year. Didn't really get many reviews at all, only a couple of reviews, and, and they were both quite middling. Um, mm. But it's a game that, uh, that our Chris spoke to the developers about on the Sausage Factory, episode 214. And that's Melbot Studios' game, is it Melbit's World?
3: yeah so I'd look about because i was look, I was looking into getting games that me and the wife could play, uh, we didn't yes. end up getting this one uh I don't know why I th- think we were more after like a murder mystery kind mm. of thing, so yeah, I'd look at it and I thought, oh, this looks just like um yeah, Captain Toad, Treasure Tracker, and it, it, it straight away, just one screenshot, and you're like, oh, well, there we go, that, that, that I don't know if it's an inspiration for them, but if it's a happy coincidence, then brilliant. Uh Yeah, it was just, yeah, because I was looking through the PlayLink stuff, and that means you can play it on your phone, so I yeah. don't know what you can do with your phone to mm. interact with it, but it seems very similar to, you know, pressing the gamepad to make things happen for Captain Toad, you know, I'm, I'm not yeah. saying I'm not saying anything, but, you know, they, they look kind of similar, which yeah. isn't a bad thing, you know what I mean? Mm.
0: Yeah, worth investigating anyway, if you like this game and curious things uh, based around that whole PlayLink idea, which seems to be, I mean, this is not that podcast, but it seems like it's one of those thing, weird things that Sony has a little bit of interest in promoting, but not very much. <laughs> but I don't know. Simon Sloth. From the forum says my experience with Captain Toad was overwhelmingly positive, but part of me wished that the difficulty curve wasn't so much of a flat line. Until the last few levels, I didn't feel remotely challenged or taxed, which isn't necessarily a bad thing sometimes. However, my favourite levels are the ones I failed and had to redo, usually needing a combination of careful thought and sharp reflexes. An honourable mention must go to the blowing mechanic, which never got old. I don't want to be overly critical, as I think it hits the bullseye with what it is trying to achieve. But personally, I felt left wanting more. Yeah, we actually questioned when Simon Sloth posted on the, I think it was the Games Completed thread that we have on our forum, the way that Simon had worded it. Both Mikhail and I thought that he'd finished at episode one because it was like, oh, is that it? um but no it turned out he has actually played the whole game and he was still like that and yeah that's that's his experience um he thought the difficulty curve was a bit of a flat mm. line is this, is, would you say there's anything in that
2: the third the third uh episode is more challenging than um the first two but i could see that with the with the first two maybe those are a little bit flat in terms of difficulty but i think it ramps up towards the end
0: Yeah, there's more variety than there is of an upscaling in difficulty. I would say, yeah,
1: for sure. But I I think, yeah, I completely agree, Josh. I'm not, I don't necessarily know if it's difficulty, but those, those episode three levels open out in scope and in size a little bit. I'm thinking like of the pinball level. That's quite a big level. Yeah, it feels like there's more going on in them, and at least if not difficulty, there's more to take in and kind of process. And and yeah. uh, deal with it to a certain extent you know a, a lot of it is the exploration and that's not difficult but it does require attention and the more of it there is the more that kind of takes up
0: um, mm. and, uh, and I think it is the sort of game where if, if you are a very practiced you know action puzzle levels and ladders game player I, d- I think for most players pace, it, it as won't as well. be a game yeah. that will yeah. it's, it's, it's a game that's meant to be completed and then either you know put put aside and go, mm, that was nice, or yeah. or go to town and get all the extra stuff done, which might drive you a bit loopy. I don't think he's 100%ed everything.
1: No. But 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 yeah, if, if the, ch- the challenge is not going to be there necessarily in certainly in the gems really, and mostly not in the optional challenges either. I wouldn't say they're difficult necessarily once you know what you need to do. But uh, on the other hand, I guess the flip side of this is if you finished the game didn't find it too difficult and wanted more then you still want more that you, that's still a positive
0: outcome really um yes that is a, yeah and there is now more very soon anyway and suits to conclude says uh, i've played this to completion on both the wii u and the switch the switch version i achieved 100 percent eventually all books all stars all diamonds all pixel toads all challenges one of the part-time trials <laughs> once you hit that 100 percent, you get a cool little bonus for your toad which i think is a shiny golden crown that's what i've seen online i think anyway uh i think it i tried make, and failed. sorry it would make sorry. sense because no, the please.
1: the red stamp in the corner is a crown
0: isn't it yeah 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 uh, Suits continues, I would tried and failed to achieve 100% when it first came out. But when I saw this listed for volume eight of the podcast, I dug the cart out and had committed to finally completing that last challenge. It's pleasing to say that I will never have to play Mummy Me Maze Forever again in my life. Captain Toad 2, please. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We also have some three word reviews and a little discussion about something as well. Uh, (laughs) Darren, start with Simon.
3: Simon Slough says, not blown away.
0: Eric Bergman says, no
2: space wasted. Cahald uh, PM says, bite size puzzling.
0: Boogs and Stuff says, speedrunners relaxed favorite. Norman Q says, must find everything. De Pigeon Deluxe, uh-huh. very happy toad. Invisible Kraken, absolutely
3: delightful romp. Fury Ace, he's back, says, toads of fun. <laughs> Suit says, Picture, picture. No, he actually says time for adventure.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, uh, we'll come streets. back to that. <laughs>
3: and
1: uh, Dorian says, uh, "Thank you, Dorian." <laughs> Donald Trump's penis, of course. <laughs> Resigned sigh.
0: <laughs> yeah. So time for adventure. On- I've seen. I've seen it uh, debated online. I am convinced that it's ready for adventure. What do you guys no, think? I, when I he starts. I don't a- hear the word ready. I don't hear the
3: word ready, ready. for adventure.
0: <laughs> that's what he says sounds if like you sl- Kermit the Frog. If, if you slow it down or Yoda yeah um, if you slow <laughs> it down at the start of if you put it on a YouTube clip and slow it down it definitely sounds like a two syllable word to me ah okay I was going to do that but I, I didn't sounds like ready for <laughs> I've been saying ready for adventure since since the beginning James
1: I'd never, literally, never thought about it until I saw that today, and then I was—I picked the game up and and one level to the next. I heard it a different way every time. I think you're saying it's two syllables. If it's time, it sounds like time. It sounds like it's an elongated "I" that makes it sound Mm. like two syllables. Every time now, I'm gonna start a level, and it will sound different one level to the next. I, I, I mean, literally These are the don't. crucial issues. This, 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 is, this is what colour is the dress. I
0: don't know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm not a fence sitter like James. I'm very much in the ready camp, I think. Thank
0: you, Josh. Yes. Yeah. yes. You've, got, you've got good young ears like
3: me. <laughs> what if it's something really horrific and we just can't hear it? What if it's just like something really bad? Maybe Ivy's right and he is just saying,
1: Picture, picture.
3: (laughs) Every time we start a level now, well, we will this evening, she just said that every time. I was like, oh, that's it now. Picture, picture. Brilliant. Sorted. End of discussion. It helps that you start the level by going into the picture. So, I mean, that makes as much sense as anything else, to be honest. You're making her sound smarter than she actually is, mate. (laughs) Stop it. I always make (laughs)
1: two-year-olds sound smart.
0: (laughs) So, in conclusion then, uh, I don't really know which order to go, but uh, I'll go first. Uh, I like Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. It's very cute. I think the thing I would say about it is it's not a game that necessarily you will experience the incredible highs that you might have some other titles, including for me, some of the Mario titles in particular, some of the breathtaking, bewildering, magical moments of, uh, of Super Mario Galaxy or something like that. It's not, it's not going to do that, but it is like a really lovely delightful super polished package even with a couple of little quirks and foibles of its own of like a, a distilled Nintendo level design master class um, and it is just for me it's just been a, a lovely game to have never never to play like for like, hours and hours on end in one session just normally to play two three four levels at a go maybe go back and get some of the gems that I t- were tantalizingly uh, missed on my first playthrough, maybe pop back in and get Pixel Toad if I can be bothered. Uh, yeah, and eventually I find on, on both Wii U and Switch that I've ended up completing the game. Uh, I probably won't buy it a third time on 3DS, but uh, if I did, I'd probably do exactly the same. It'll probably just every time I flip the machine open, it'll probably be like, ah, I'll do a Captain Toad level because mm-hmm. it's, it's a nice place to be. It's a nice thing to do. Pretty much every interaction with it feels uh, crisp and satisfying and and it it's... It looks lovely. Uh, it really does. Um, I think it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, just a, a delightful looking game, and I don't think we've said charming a lot. Let's say charming. It's charming.
3: <laughs> Darren, I think Captain Toad falls in line with like the, the Kirby series, the Yoshi series, and you know the the kind of Nintendo games that uh, are are skewed towards a younger audience. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, you know. That they, they they go at a slower pace. They have a a, a softer edge to them and that you know they're a bit more approachable and i think that is entirely uh you know wonderful in in a video games industry like there is today where it's all just cutthroat and if you don't sell you know any amount of copies then you're gone like games like this are super important to to the industry mm. and you know I, I i really enjoy playing um playing through it and they they need to do well. More companies need to do more games like this, you know. And they're good good on Melbot Studio for making one that looks similar because we do need more games that have have this kind of appeal. And you know, when you look at a screenshot of this game, you're not going to get it confused with anything else. It is Captain Toad, you know. Captain Toad looks like in no other game, you know, until yeah, until Melbit world come along and that's brilliant you know what I mean we need more games to break the mould of what people think games are and I've I've already recommended like the Switch to because I know quite a few parents now who've got kids of similar ages and mm. I've, I've said look at some point in the near future you're going to need to get or you know your son or you know or your daughter's going to ask for some sort of gaming thing and if you need any help like the switch for it's like an easy recommendation and captain toad will be there front and center saying look if you want them to get into a game and if you want to play a game with someone captain toad yoshi kirby you know what i mean like there needs to be again there needs to be more games that fall into this category and i'm so happy that nintendo keep on doing what nintendo keep on doing because if they fell in line with everyone else i think the industry would be a lot worse off so yeah um captain toad if you like Nintendo, you will, you know, I, I can't see you not liking this game. But then who am I to say? Because some people, you know, felt a bit let down by it. But I liked it. I recommend it. Um, If you've got a Wii U, then I'm sure it's buttons at the moment in a, in a second hand shop. So check it out. Mm. Yeah, I believe mm. you can get the Wii U version relatively affordably. Yeah, you're saying
0: about appealing to everyone there and again this brings me back, just be, just because it's come up a few times recently in, in online conversations, some people mm. really don't like Nintendo stuff. No. Um, and that's fine, of course, everyone is different, but what I do find frustrating is the sometimes prevailing attitude that people who like Nintendo games, like everyone here on this podcast, only like them because they're Nintendo games, which is... No, believe- and it, And it's such a misunderstanding of how fandom works as well, like the yeah. idea that new Nintendo games get a free pass because they're Nintendo games or because you like Mario or because you like Link. That's not how fandom works. That's just so wrong-headed. By that token... Um, every Star Wars film gets a pass you know mm-hmm. The Last Jedi mm-hmm. well it was great right because it had Luke Skywalker in it and C-3PO and R2-D2 so everyone loved it didn't they all the Star Wars fans thought it was fantastic in, in fact no. often fans are the harshest critics
3: of,
1: exactly of- I was just it, about precisely. to say when,
3: I, when I'm playing a Nintendo game now because I've got such love for their previous consoles yeah. I've got them under such a microscope that it's, it's kind of unfair but they have such a they, for me they have such a level of quality they can stand up to it
0: yeah I completely agree. And it, yeah, it's just, I understand it's people trying to make sense of something they don't get, like in the same yeah. way that I don't get sports entertainment wrestling. Like I just don't, I don't understand mm. it. So it's easy for me to say, you know, to be reductive about it. But mm. I just want to say anyone who has stuck who listens to every podcast, regardless of what we're talking about and, uh, and, and is still listening to this show, even though it's about a, you know, a very Nintendo Nintendo game. It, that's not, that's not it. Like we like these games cause we think they're really good and we have a lot of fun playing them. Not because they feature some of our favorite nostalgic characters. It doesn't, it does not work like that. There's some really mediocre N- Nintendo stuff yeah. by my reckoning. And in Dylan fact, it hurts more. Western. I'll be honest about it when it happens. Like for me, Super Mario Sunshine and it hurts more. It bothers me more when, when they, when they drop the ball as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. Anyway, and, I just wanted to, to get that off my chest.
1: It's really cool if you love this as much as it sounds like the four of us do. It's also really cool if you don't. That's totally of yeah. course fine. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I mean, I suppose it's it's when things keep coming out and getting all the critical plaudits, people feel pressured to play them, even when they don't really appeal. And so, of course, okay, you yeah. know, they they buy the latest Mario game because it got ninety seven percent everywhere, and then they go, and because they don't enjoy that aesthetic or that mm-hmm. character, they go, but I hate it but so everyone's lying about it being so good no that's just that you don't like something that other people like that's how it works
1: i i had a time with god of war last year let me tell you well there you go exact reason shouldn't have bought it shouldn't have bought it but yeah yeah wanted to really love it hey i love how this game in and of itself meshes for me in my mind with the way that it ever came to being um We hear, especially from games like Madden or FIFA or Call of Duty Assassin's Creed would be another one, where they have frequent iterations. We hear about features just not making the cut for one year, getting left on the sort of cutting room floor, as it were, and then maybe making it into the next year. This was a prototype that they ended up thinking about putting into Super Mario 3D World that could have so easily just been left on the cutting room floor and not used. But Nintendo had the confidence in the idea to put it in there and almost immediately got positive feedback from its inclusion in Super Mario 3D World. And here we are with a game that by all rights may never have existed. And this game does the thing that I've certainly praised other Nintendo games, particularly Mario games for before, which is they don't flog any of the ideas they have. They have the confidence to put the idea in the game, be it something we've seen in Mario before, but use it sparingly so that it seems fresh and new. I mean, uh, one of the levels uh, has a, a spike log rolling down the middle of it. I know yep. I've seen that in Mario multiple times before. And Zelda, it, it actually. It felt fresh because it was used in one level in this game. Um, and and it felt like it was u- something that was specific to that level. It was specific to that level in this game. So it didn't feel overused. It didn't feel like I was seeing the same things over and over again. And I think that's really cool. It happens to fit this game because of all the different levels, but to take a mini game, let it grow into this kind of full game that does tell a story as well, lest we forget. I think that's something really cool that just strikes me about this game that that makes me love it even more than the playing of it because it it shouldn't almost exist in in my mind another thing i like about it i mentioned uh the structure of it seems a bit like mobile puzzle games and that might be a negative Mm. for some people but two mobile Mm. games that i really want to uh bring to to mind here this game captures aspects of those that that i couldn't not notice that is tactility of this game uh that's the Mm. aesthetic having that kind of that solid sort of tactile uh look to it uh that that we talked about earlier that chunkiness um uh and and in turn it, it spoke to me in a way that uh the room did where you're looking around this cube and trying to work out what's your way in what can you find what can you discover completely different games of course but there's an aspect of tactility and also an aspect of perspective there um that Another game I wanted to bring up, which is Monument Valley. There's an aspect of perspective, and the way that it does something to my brain that. It's it's just it reaches into my brain, just scratches a little itch that I didn't really know I had. But it's just really cool. You go down a pipe and end up on the bottom of the level and they don't spin it round so that you're standing the right way. They have confidence that the player will understand what's going on. Uh and and something like Monument Valley did that really well as well. So I think if if a game like that, a little puzzle box of a game like that is something that appeals, then Captain Toad for my money is right there with it. The love of Nintendo aesthetic and and games in general is just icing on the cake. Um, Yeah,
2: I I absolutely love this.
0: Great. Let's conclude with Joshua.
2: Um, A lot of you have uh, covered a lot of my points. So I will simply say that I love that this game is so sincere and earnest in a way that I think, I don't know, it's uncool to be this... Joyous, I feel at least this joyous and silly and, and devoid of any edge um, at all. Like I think, I, I think about a lot of the, the, the media, um, you know, kids media in film and TV. And, you know, you have, you have people like Pixar who are really pushing kind of like wholesome kind of, Uh, You know, joyous things that have maybe have some more you know, you know, uh, human drama in there as well. Um, But there's a lot of stuff like minions which just doesn't appeal to me. Where it feels like, yeah, it's for the kids, but we've got some some jokes that the adults are going to appreciate, and maybe there's a dirty little gag that that will go over the kids' head, or what? And I just. I like the honesty of Captain Toad's whole aesthetic and approach of let's just enjoy the color and the beauty of this world and not have to complicate it with any insecurities that we might feel about, you know, the audience and whether... That audience can appreciate this in of itself, and yeah, I I love it for that. I think it's uh, it's as you said, Leon. It maybe doesn't have the wow moments of a mainline Mario game, but in terms of just you know putting a smile on my face and just making me feel good, it's absolutely on par with um you know the the best of the mario series um i love this game i think it's fantastic
0: so it remains for me leon to thank darren james and josh as well as our correspondents editor ryan and to all of you for listening Remember, please, if you've enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe, do rate, do review. We're still well short of the number of uh, reviews we could use online and ratings on whatever podcast capturing stuff you use or just the good old Apple service is great. Best of all, though, if you do enjoy these podcasts and kind of uh, want to acknowledge the amount of time and effort that goes into all the stuff that we do. Patreon.com slash Cana We only want a dollar a month. That's the minimum, and that unlocks all the goodies. Really isn't very much, I don't think, uh, for what you'll get in return, and you get every show earlier, often extended, and an exclusive monthly show to boot. Next time, in issue 359, poor old Princess PrinPrin has been abducted yet again, and so the brave knight, Arthur, must once again face the demon denizens of the Demon World Village, twice, in Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Bye. bust out my bongos